open your Bibles to the book of Acts, and I want you to open it to chapter 1 and chapter 2. I'll even show you for those streaming online and for here. This is the most marked up chapters in my entire Bible. I love this passage, and I, I learned some new things that I want to share with you today. But I want to greet some wonderful people, and that's everybody who's streaming online, especially our Department of Corrections. Both prisons are streaming. Come on, give it up. Love you guys. I'll see you next week. I'll be down there with you. Uh, had a great chapel with a football team uh, this last week. Uh, every player, just so you know, we have a room about this size. Every player, every coach comes every Friday at 7 in the morning on Friday to, to get chapel and to get the word of God. And I, I get them saying amen. I get them preaching and praying and saying hallelujah. We have a great time. And God is moving. I had a wedding. Uh, what was it? Yesterday. <laughs> Had a wedding yesterday. Friday was chapel. Wedding was yesterday. We had a women's conference in Williams. And you know, weddings are incredible, but you know, it, you could get offended anywhere. You can get offended at church. I, I, I was kind of shocked that people were getting offended at me that I was trying to take a selfie. I get that I'm the minister and that they were reading their vows. But I mean, I, it's amazing how they all got mad. And I, so I put my selfie stick away and I said, okay, fine. I, I won't take any more pictures here. I'm actually going to talk about offense today. I'm going to talk about unforgiveness. I'm going to talk about how we can live in that. What kind of room we create. Because sometimes the reason we can't leave our flaws that try to capture us in our fears is not just because we haven't been forgiven, but because we choose not to forgive each other. And so instead of living in freedom, like the song we were singing, we're living in our fears, and we're living in the wrong assumptions of everybody because we choose not to forgive each other. So I want you to write this down. What room am I creating in your notes? Everybody takes notes here. We are a note-taking church. Hopefully you got your worship journal. If you didn't, make sure you get it next time. Or just pull out your phone, take a good notes, follow along in scripture, what we're going to read today. Uh, but today I'm going to talk about what room are you creating. In fact, you could also title it, I'm going to talk about uh, the builder and the baker. Uh, but I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 1 and verse 12. We'll read the scripture like we do every week, and then we'll extract the truth. And I'm going to kind of paint a picture for you. I won't read all of the chapter of one and chapter two, but I will paint you a picture and we'll go through and I promise I will teach where it comes from. It says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olive, which was near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the, uh, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James, which is actually, some people say it's uh, the son of James, his, uh, Jesus' brother. Uh, th th these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with, hi with, his, uh, bro with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up. Everybody say, stand up. Now, don't really stand up, but he stood up in the midst of the disciples. This was the first time that Peter stood up. He'll stand up again, but Peter started to gain a backbone. So Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120. 
and said, and you know what, let me pause right there. Go to chapter 2 now and go to verse 1 through 4. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Everybody say one accord. In one place. Everybody say one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Did you know that there is a sound that God has for you to hear today? As a sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want you to skip towards the end of chapter 2, and I want you to look at verse 40 and 41. And with many other words, he testified, talking about Peter after he stood up again to declare to a crowd, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly, everybody say gladly. Gladly. Come on, if you're not happy today, those who are gladly, those who gladly received, those who are happy to receive, those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly. I want you to watch the progression of this. In the apostles' doctrine of fellowship and in the breaking of bread. He just saw 3,000 added, and then they broke bread and in prayers. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today, and we thank you for this time together. We thank you that your word is going to come to life in us. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Holy Spirit, use me as your will. God, let it not be my words, but let it be your words. And I pray that you would use me as a vessel today to speak to your people Oh, Holy Spirit, come in this place, and I feel you right now, and I feel you moving. God, there's going to be a healing today in relationships. There's going to be a healing and reconciliation today in marriages and in families, in daughters and mothers and sons and fathers. God, there's going to be a reconciliation that happens in relationships and friendships today. God, Lord, there's broken hearts in here today, but you came to mend the brokenhearted. And, Lord, I thank you that some of us may have given up on each other, but, God, today is where we reignite our power in our agreement, in our unity, in our harmony, and we learn how to love and forgive one another and walk in one accord. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. I kind of want to start. I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to start at the end because the last couple weeks we talked about Uh, uh, like how this bad apple, how we need to be replenished and refreshed and how the Holy Spirit's going to encourage us. And when you go into a place of repentance, God is going to refresh you. God's going to make you whole. Even though I may be imperfect, that's when he comes to fill in those gaps and he's going to help us understand that we are forgiven, we are set free. But now today I'm going to talk about the bushel. Everybody say the bushel. But before we get to the bushel of apples and how we work together with all of our flaws, I kind of want to paint a picture of this whole what, what's going on in these two chapters. Jesus had died, rose again, shown up, and then ascended and told them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the power that's going to come from heaven. And so he tells them to go and wait. And so they go and they get into the upper room. And the first thing that they do is they have church. Everybody say, let's have church. They have prayer. They have worship before they do anything. The Bible says right here, remember when we read it at the top? It said right here, it says, and when they entered the room, it talks about who all was there. They entered in with prayer and supplication. So they began to have church and pray first. And then after that, then they got things in order. Everybody say, let's get it in order. 
because they got things. They said, okay, Peter stood up and said, who's going to do what? How are we going to run this? Who's going to replace Judas? And what were you going to do? And he starts getting things organized. And he starts getting things structured. And then all of a sudden, after that, they've been in there for 50 days now. Everybody say 50. Right? We're in there for 50 days. Okay, this upper room was a lot like this room. I've been to the upper room. It would, uh, would be like a second story, and there are little windows around the whole top, and there's a little staircase in the back. It'd be as if we had no wall back there, and there's a little staircase leading up to the roof, and there's an entrance right here coming into the side of the building, and then there's this one big open floor, and there's 120, and they spent 50 days together. You ever spent the night with a relative? You ever had a weekend? You ever had like a little time where you just all get locked in a cabin together and you just kind of get that cabin fever? We'll get into that here in a little bit. But then they spent 50 days together and then at the end of 50 days at the day of Pentecost when it had fully come in Acts chapter 2, that's when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place because they were all again in one place in one accord, they were in unity and they were in harmony. And then the corporate blessing. See, there is a corporate blessing for corporate unity. But there will always be just a touch of God and a blessing of God individually until we come together in unity. The, the church of Flagstaff and Arizona and the kingdom of God will continue to just get touches of God until we get in unity with each other. And unity not just in this relationship, but unity in this relationship. Some of us are really good right here but we're not so good right here and so then after this they, they get the outpouring of the power of God in their life and God pours his power in them and then Peter stands up among thousands of people and declares he preaches no 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 you didn't hear me he didn't he didn't script he didn't come up with an eloquent okay we'll put the joke at the front and then once we get everybody laughing a little bit, once I get them on my side, then I'll hit them with the truth. And then, I'll, no, no, he, all he did was he stood up and he preached relationship. Do you know who my Messiah is? Do you know who Jesus Christ is? And he calls him into a place of not religion, but relationship. And he commands everybody, repent therefore and be baptized in Jesus' name. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, 3,000 and we're added that day and then they all ate now we skipped over the part where I talked I we kind of mentioned it but I think we briefly if we were to just go over the view we heard organize and we heard prepare but I don't think we really got the full picture see we had 120 everybody say 120 see and it says about 120 so I know a preacher wrote this because it could have been a hundred, but a preacher is going to be like, oh, I think we had a thousand there. You know, whole room was full, energy was there. We had a we had about 120 in Phoenix there for our last service. Hallelujah! It was actually 117. You know, people get upset about these numbers. I had a person leave our church because I rounded up on a number, uh, and they told me because you rounded up on a number, I'm going to leave the church. Let me ask you a question. <sighs> Let me ask you a question. When, when the Bible says that there was 5,000 exactly, 5,000 exactly men, have you ever been to a crowd of 20,000 people? One, two, three. Does she have a baby? Four. Is she pregnant? Five, six, seven. What are you, are you breathing? Who else was here? 
Someone's walking away. I'm still counting them. And we go through, and we have, we, we, you really think, come on, let's, let's be real. So I, I believe in numerology. I, I, we get into numerology, and I think people got, get too caught up in that a little bit too much. It can bring power. It can bring meaning. But let's not get so caught up in the number that that's what affects our whole religion because that's really what it is, is religion again. And he's talking about relationship. That's why in Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 1, he says about 120 because he wants to continue. Get rid of your little religious pious as if you're so perfect that you don't know you don't ever make a mistake or rounded up or down right how many times do we lie to each other hey how's your day go oh it's going good you liar no it's not going good but anyway so I, I need to get off my soapbox so then there's there's 120 and so then they, you know we, they, but they get organized and they get organized and they get structured. But they didn't just get organized. They got prepared. Everybody say prepared. I talked about this last week about how they mended their nets and how they prepared. As Jesus was teaching, he was actually watching Peter to see if Peter, when you're ready, as soon as you're done, we're launching out into the deep. I'm going to bring a big harvest for you. But Jesus said, we don't have a recording of Jesus teaching. We do have a recording of the point where Jesus said, cast out into the deep. I'm going to show you a great harvest because he was waiting for Peter to be prepared. And the same thing was happening here because all of a sudden, they went from 120 people who were fellowshipping and eating together for 120 days, and now they fed 3,000 people right after they got saved. But how did they feed 3,000? Somebody was prepared for a big blessing. Somebody was prepared for God to do an incredible work. Somebody was preparing. I bet we're going to have thousands of people. Let's bake all the bread. Come on, how many mamas I got out there? You bake and you prepare for Thanksgiving, and it's coming. It's on its way, and you want to make a huge meal? Somebody was in there baking every day, every moment they could. There's a harvest that's coming. We got to get ready. There's a movement that's happening. Jesus is going to pour his spirit out in us. And somewhere at Bridge Church, somebody's going to get excited to where something stirs in you. You start clapping. Somebody says amen besides Omar. And you understand that God has exponential blessing coming for you. But you got to get ready. Somebody say get ready. 3,000 people were fed right after, and yet we have read that passage, I guarantee you, thousands of times, and we never thought about it once, that they were prepared. They were ready. They weren't anti-big church. They were the first big church. And anything that's healthy will always continue to grow. And if it continues to grow, you're going to have to continue to move. You're going to have to continue to expand. You're going to have to knock walls down. You have to make extra rooms. You have another kid. You don't tell your kid, well, I mean, you know, we only have two bedrooms, and your brother and sister have that, so you're just going to have to take the living room, right? You add more room. You make another bed. You make more room. Say, say, make more room. Because they, they, they had to come out of that room. The moment where they got pushed out of the upper room was a moment of provocation where God was provoking them. You cannot stay here. You cannot remain in this small-mindedness. You cannot remain with just the 120. I need you to overcome. But let's talk about these people, the 120. These 120, out of 120, three of them were the only, only three of them went to the cross. Only three. Only three went to the cross. Only, uh, and everyone else had abandoned. Many had denied. Many ran. Many fled for their life. Nobody wanted to see this. There was a bunch of flawed people. And even the people who, who still stayed there, maybe there were people amongst them who said, you could have done more. You ever done something for somebody? And it wasn't enough? 
Oh, yeah, I'm preaching to somebody today. And, and they, they, you, you do, you, I've helped people before, and I've helped people, and then all of a sudden when you stop helping them, it's, it's, all of a sudden it's not enough. You, di- you haven't done enough for me. And there's always, there always could be a point of offense. There always can be a point of frustration. There can always be a point of unforgiveness. There could be, they could have created any room they wanted to. What room are you creating? The Shunammite woman made room for the word of God in her life. The the, the 120 made the upper room for the Holy Spirit to pour out in their life. And so they created a room. It could have been a room of pity. Everybody say pity. Could have been a room of pity. Well, life is just terrible. That's why they called the dark ages. This is just rough. This is difficult, Harrison. I don't know how we're going to make it. They could have all showed up in there. and we. Come, how many know how, you've been in a pity room before? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, well, I mean, you know, it's just miserable. And misery loves company. We were there. We saw him. Y'all ran. You weren't good enough. And, and it could have just been this wallowing in pity. And it could have been a wallowing in, 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 in sadness. And they could have continued to say, oh, let's just sorrow. Let's just come in. And let's, I've been in churches like that before. Man, they look so depressed. Every time they walk out, we met Jesus. <laughs> the Lord blessed me today. And they walk out, and they look so depressed. They look so sad. Because they, they, they created a room of pity. And a lot of times that's what we want. We just want people to pity what we're going through because if somebody actually speaks to what we're going through, we might have to leave our pity. But we want to remain in our pity because I don't want to deal with my problem. And you'll never be able to change your problem till you own your problem. And so if you get the wrong people around you, you're actually going to get corrected out of your problem because you're going to hear truth in your problem. Somebody said a good amen. You're going to have this opportunity where I'm telling you, all of a sudden it goes from this self-wallowing and pity, poor me mentality, to all of a sudden I want to be empowered to be free. I don't want these chains anymore. I don't want to be the drama queen with the same problem every week that I come into church. I just want to complain again. I want to have pity again. Somebody needs to get a revelation of who Jesus is in your life and break free of that pity, break free of that self-loathing, break free of that wallowing. Somebody needs to get out of like the prodigal son. You need to get yourself out of the pig pen and start heading to the palace because that's not where you belong but it's up to you what room you create it's up to you which room you create maybe you created a room where you just get angry how many have that other side Uh, right here how many are literally you might be bipolar like me I'm not even kidding right you you, the, the hide comes out I have Landon and you know pastor Landon but when I'm driving And I flip you off, you know, no, <laughs> it was your fault. <laughs> I, you, you get in a parking lot, I'm telling you, good Lord, at that wildflower in that area right there, that'll test your salvation. I, every week, I, like the, the hide comes out of me because you know what, anybody does anything, I, I mean, I, they, when I'm coming up, eh, not really anything, okay, let me, just, let me just paint this picture, I'm not that bad. I can get angry. You know, some of you want your pastor to be nice and clean, and he wants, you want him to be perfect, but that's not me. So uh, when I get out there, some of you, that's why, that's why you don't put a church sticker on the back of your car. 
is because really, when you do flip somebody off, you just don't want to be called out. Oh, they're a church person? I knew those Christians were crazy. But I, when I'm going up a parking lot, I, I, it's really, this is when I get mad. I get mad when I do something nice and, and, and it's disdained. You know, so like in our parking garage where we're going up, I stop on the straightaways because I'm explaining. I'm let me go somewhere, okay? Y'all can help with this. A little bit of therapy. I'm just gonna lie down right here, and I'm just gonna talk about my issues. No, so I I go through this, and I have uh, you go through, and on the straightaways, you have the more control and more width. So I stop if I see somebody coming around. That doesn't always happen for me, but I stop. And I let someone go, and I, I pull over even a little bit. I let them come through, and I wave them through, come on through. And what hurts right here is when they come through, and they're like, and then just, I'm like, oh, I love you. That's, and, and I'm fuming for a good, like, I go into the house, and I'm like, honey, oh, God, it happened again. Like, this is, I, I'm telling you, I'm done being nice. I want to hold a conference with everybody who lives in our apartment, and I want to sit them down, and I'm going to teach them the rules and etiquette of a garage parking. This is how we're going to fix everything. And if you're streaming today, right now, and you live in my apartment, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have this other side. Go ahead and laugh a little bit. It's all right. We, we have this other side. We can flip the switch. I'm not perfect, nor will I ever be. And I can get into a room full of 50 people, for 120 people for 50 days, and I guarantee you there's going to be room to get angry. <laughs> they didn't put deodorant on again. <laughs> I swear to God, if they, oh my, oh. And you can just like, you know what, every time they know that's my seat, this is where I sit. I think they do it on purpose. And we could get angry. We could create a room of frustration and anger. We could create a room of offense. This is where I want to settle in today. We could create a room of offense. Offense is a snare. It's a trap. And the only one that hurts is you. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't approve what they did. It frees you from being trapped. But we could get offended. We could get offended at a lot of things. I could get offended at church. I could get offended at a friend. I could get offended at a spouse. And I could get offended at you. And I could get offended at each other. And we can live in offense in 50 days in an upper room. So the, the, what their thought is this, is that the, the most likely thing that took place, because we don't have a lot of context, is that before the break of day, they would have arrived in the upper room. And then after the sunset, they would have left and gone home. So 50 days in the heat of the desert sun in an upper room, you're going to get an opportunity to be offended. Everybody say, I might be offended. <laughs> you're going to, you're, it's not about if you will ever get offended in your life. It's about really when you're going to get offended. Right. It's about when are you going to get mad that the tissues were in the wrong place at the church. It's when are you going to get mad at the person who didn't talk to you. Because it's not just about offense that happens and takes place one-on-one. -on -one. It's about even projected offenses. Sometimes I will project the possibility of offense. 
I know some of them went home. They're like, you know what? I bet they're thinking about it right now. I bet they're talking about us. You know, when she said that, I bet she was really thinking. And we start talking, and we start stewing, and we start thinking. We start projecting potential offenses, and we start projecting potential hurts, and we start projecting potential. And you're projecting an attitude. You're projecting a thought process, and you don't even know a clue of really what they're feeling or thinking. But you are now not just trapped. Now you're digging a hole. Somebody say, I'm digging. Man, we keep digging and we keep digging and we keep digging and you have this shovel. When God didn't call you to have a shovel, he called you to take up a hammer and help build something great for the kingdom. But most of the time what we have is this shovel. Somebody's going to say amen besides Omar by the end of this service. But when you do this, you're saying it because I'm going to get here. This is, we're just touching on a fence right now. We haven't even gotten to the power of agreement. We'll get there in a minute. But because we can't get in agreement right now even, we, we, we dig. And we dig. And we have this shovel. And I, I, I just can't forgive her. How many ever grew up around a family that the reflection of anger or confrontation in your home was loud? Okay, right? Or some of us, it was quiet and we just walked away. Dad walked away, dad disappeared, dad would leave in this room, mom would go in that room, and we didn't ever see how anger was appropriately handled, how offense was appropriately resolved with. And so because of that, now some of us who grew up in a home where an offense, if you were like real, like, kind of like me, I remember the bully that picked on me when I was in ninth grade, Joey. And I know I have forgiven him. But sometimes we grow up in, in a place where we learn to harbor offense. Let me, let me teach you this. You, you have learned offense and how to hold on. to. Be, I'll prove it. You remember a little kid and your little brothers and sisters and you'd fight? Cousins. And you just like, man, I hate you, Glenn. And it, <laughs> We're friends. So I... You could do, and you just, you would hate each other, and then you'd walk away, and then Harrison, what would happen? You have a lot of kids. What would happen? All of a sudden, an hour later, done even, we'd be playing again. We, an hour later, we, oh, and then mom and dad would be like, hey, we separated you two. A fight's going to happen again. You need to separate. And we're like, oh, no, it's fine. We're good. We don't even remember what we were fighting about. We just want to go play again. And you know it's going to happen again. As kids, we learn to forgive and forget. As adults, we have progressively taught ourselves how to harbor unforgiveness and hold on to it like a death sentence over our life that we will never be free again because I don't know how to forgive you. I have trained and taught myself that if I give you forgiveness, I feel like I've lost my power and authority over you, which is really a place of pride and idolatry. So we have to let go of this. Somebody said let go today. You got to let go of the hurt. You got to let go of the pain. You got to let go of the offense. You got to let go of what they did to you. It doesn't matter anymore. You are being held captive by the chains of your own bondage because you can't say, I forgive you. Oh, I'm going to go a little bit further. Say, go a little further, preacher. I'm going to have you pray a prayer that you all know. All of you know. I'm going to start it. We're going to say it together. <clears throat> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we... As. Stop. 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. You are literally praying. Jesus taught you how to pray, and he taught you how to forgive, and he says, as you forgive others, so will be the pace in which I forgive you. You will receive forgiveness, but when you are blocked up, and forgiveness not just doesn't come to you, but through you anymore, I will withhold, and I will wait. Oh, I know it got quiet in here. As you forgive, somebody needs to forgive somebody today. Somebody needs to let go of that hurt. Let go of that pain. Let go of that suffering. Let go of it now. Forgive her. Forgive him. Let them go. Let them go and be free because it's in your forgiveness that your freedom lies. It's not in the faults and the failures of where everybody has dropped you and denied you and discarded you and hurt you and harmed you. Don't live here anymore. Somebody needs to go into the house of the blessed, the house of liberty, the house of forgiveness where God says, hey, Stop dwelling in that. It's like a cancer. Every time you introduce yourself, you begin to talk about the offense of where you came from. Who they did, what they, you just begin to live in that. We need to forgive. We can't have, we can't have an, a, a wonderful bushel of apples in this wonderful illustration of just this beautiful tree right here. And by the way, you better be here next week. Because next week, this tree, something's going to happen to it. And you better be here for it because I'm building this. The next week is the culmination of this whole series. But that's where the miracle of church happens. Where all of a sudden, oh, Lord, Holy Spirit, I hear you. All of a sudden, you come in, and everybody's got a different background. Everybody's got a different story. Everybody's got different opinions. Everybody's got different political stances. Everybody's got a whole different agenda going on. But we didn't come to stand on your agenda. We came here to stand upon the rock that is Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And I didn't come here to agree in what your foods you like and where you like to go and where you like to travel. Even in this, when I say, come on, everybody, give God some praise, 90% of you clap but 10% of us refrain because of our pride. I just refuse. Oh, let's worship and let's praise God. 99% will worship but one will refuse. When I say, hey, tone it down, let me teach a little bit, I guarantee you 99% are quiet and Omar's the only one yelling in disagreement. You have, we, we, we just constantly, we just, we have to be individualistic. I didn't come here to worship like you. I worship in my own way. I clap in my own, and we're really what we're doing is we're idolizing ourselves. We don't, we don't really, we didn't come here to worship God. I came here to glorify me because if I stand out amongst different than others, I could tell them why I stand out. Oh, it got quiet. See, this is where I wanted to get today. Because after we overcome this uh, disagreement and this discord, what the enemy's trying to sow in our life, he constantly wants us to disagree. That's why we can't have revival in Flagstaff. That's why we can't have a breakout in our city, in our state. Because if he could just get us to divide again and divide again and split off again and split off again and split off again, we'll never see the presence of God drop in this place. Because we cannot prepare for the blessing because we can't even get to a point of agreement. But we have to come into the power of agreement because in the power of agreement comes a corporate blessing. That he says, okay, come on. When I say, come on, let's do this. Let's go for it. Let's build a church in Phoenix. Let's expand the kingdom of God. Let's over, let's grow this building. Let's expand. Let's build. Let's continue to go. We got to get into agreement with each other. 
when we say, okay, come on, let's give God some praise, 100% need to put their hands together. And if you don't want to put your hands together, there's the door. We need agreement. We need the power of agreement. We need the power of praise because we need a corporate blessing poured out from heaven that I'm not going to live in my offense anymore. I'm not going to live angry anymore. I'm not going to live in my prejudice and preferences anymore. Oh, I prefer a church to be like this. You're a little too loud for me. Well, guess what? You can go to a quiet church because a quiet church is a dying church. A quiet believer is a dying believer because the enemy does want you to shut your mouth. And if he can trick you, then I pray for you every day. But he ain't going to fool me. He's not going to fool this house. I came here because the Lord put me on assignment. I don't go into the Bible. Some of you think that, you know, like, oh, pastor, how do you prepare for a sermon? How do you get ready? Well, you know, I just go to my favorite scriptures and read for a little while and talk a little bit. No, I don't even know what I'm preaching until I walk up here. Do you see? I don't carry notes. You want to know why? Because I didn't come with a script. I came here with the anointing because under the anointing of the Holy Spirit is which I flow and how I move and how I speak. I don't come because, oh, Lord, give me a good word so that I can make them laugh and clap. Lord, give me a good word so I can impress them. I want a big church that loves me because if everybody loves me, then I'm doing a good job. No. I'm telling you with all my heart, I was here this morning, I was here last night, I was here in prayer, and I come before the God and I say, God, Lord, I just want time with you. I need to hear you. I need to receive a word from you. What do you have for your people today? What is the fresh manna of heaven? How can we move forward under the anointing? Because it's not by eloquent words that people are saved, but it's by His Spirit, says the Lord. And that's how we move. That's how we live. That's how we have our being is because we live under the anointing and the power of God. I'm done apologizing for saying, hey, be at church every week. When, when people now, the statistic is we come once a month. I'm done apologizing for saying, hey, let's, because I know what happens in the presence of the anointing of God. And if you're here every week, think about this. They were there for 50 days together. How many Sundays are in a year? I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> How many, how many Sundays? Here we go. 52. 52. And if you only come once a month, you haven't even come close to being together long enough for what God, and yet what, what do we do? I start my New Year's resolutions. How are you doing? I start my New Year's resolutions, and I, I tell everybody, oh, this is, next year is going to be amazing. 2020. It's going to be great. And I talk about all my things I'm going to do and everything that's gonna happen, and I expect God to bless me when I show up half the time of what, is show, of what is designated for me to meet the Holy Spirit and divine appointment and word in my life, and I expect something to change, and we wonder why at the end of every year, we're in the same place. At the end of every year, we're still in the same direction. At the end of every year, we haven't accomplished anymore because we're not stepping into agreement, and we're not stepping into a place where we say, hey, we gotta come together. We gotta come together. 
We got to get church. Some of us look at church on Sunday. I got to get I got to get Sunday in your Monday, in your Tuesday, in your Wednesday, in your Thursday. Because until church gets in your week, every Sunday will be a miss for you, and you won't understand what's going on. But when church is happening for you at your home, in your car, in your workplace on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when you come to church, you're like, oh, I was reading that, I was praying about that, I was thinking about that. Oh Lord, I feel it on my heart because I know God brought me here. This is my such a time as this. I'm here on purpose. Come on, church. Give God some praise if you know you're here on purpose. I've got to close. But this is just building. And I feel like God has been stirring something up in us. And next week, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit just told me, you better be here because I'm going to break some things loose in your life. And there's some things that have been cut off in your life that I'm going to regrow. I'm going to rebuild it for you. And where the enemy took away two, I'm going to give you four. Where the enemy stole away a mother in your life, I'm going to put spiritual mothers in your life. Where your father abused you and hurt you, I'm going to put a spiritual father in your life. There's going to be relationships restored. There's going to be healing take place. God is saying right now is the time. Right now is when healing is happening in your life. Lord, in Jesus' name, come on, I want you to pray with me. We, we believe right now that healing is in this place. If you got to let go of offense, if you got to let go of pity, if you got to let go of your anger, if you got to let go of your frustration, if you got to let go of your false doctrine, if you got to let go of your false ideology, if you got to let go of your preferences and your prejudice in people. I didn't come here to worship with an all white church. I didn't come here to worship with an all rich church. I came here to worship with the body of Christ that is beautiful and it's tapped and diversity and Lord I thank you God that we are represented here Lord today in agreement God we come together God Lord from all different backgrounds all different colors and shapes and sizes God Lord not to come in agreement with what our flesh wants but to come in agreement with what your spirit says and Lord we're coming in agreement right now I want you to touch the person next to you touch the person next to you in fact let's all stand let's all stand I need to close we're gonna come into agreement I want you to grab a hold of something. No, leave nobody un, untouched. I want everybody, somebody touch somebody. Grab a hold. Get their hand, put your hand on their shoulder. There you go, hon. Yeah, thank you. Touch Josh. He needs Jesus. We need to come into agreement, church. We're done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I, 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 don't, I don't want to keep coming to the upper room, this upper room and waiting for everybody to say, hey, Lua, once you start preaching and teaching and thinking and once they, my friends start looking like and everybody starts feeling like me, once I start kind of getting my personal preferences met, then I'll come. No, no, no. Come on. We're not living in the basement. We're living in the upper room. And in the upper room is where forgiveness lies. In the upper room is where offense fades away. In the upper room is where healing takes place. In the upper room is where the power of the anointing of the spirit of the living God comes in. Come on. I want you to pray for the person on your right and your left. You may not even know them. In the name of Jesus, we come into agreement. God, we're not going to be divided by our differences anymore. We're not going to be divided by arguments anymore. We're not going to be divided anymore by our preferences. And the enemy of disagreement who tries to cause discord among the brethren, who is the accuser of the brethren, we cast him out in the name of Jesus. We cast him out of our city. We cast him out of our state. We cast 
cast them out of this house and out of our lives and out of our homes. Our homes will be a place of the blessing of God in our life because we have come into agreement. God's not just going to touch us here and there every once in a while. God is going to move a corporate blessing through this house and through each and every one of you because we are in agreement and we stand in agreement. We receive the agreement of God over our life. It's not by anything other than your spirit that ties us together. And Lord, we thank you as you've shown up mightily today and we receive what you have for us. Oh, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Discord is going away. If somebody needs to forgive somebody, you just need to say, I forgive. Just start forgiving. Say, I forgive my mom. I forgive my dad. I forgive my uncle. I forgive that friend. I forgive. Call them out. Come on, forgive them. Say, I forgive them. Somebody's coming to your mind and to your thought process right now. And it's not on accident. It's on purpose. Some of you need to say, Lord, forgive me for living in my pride. Forgive me. God, for my selfishness. Forgive me creating a room that's surrounded about what I want in the flesh rather than what you want in the spirit. Forgive me, Lord. I receive forgiveness and I repent and I receive times of refreshing in my life. Oh, right now, just receive it. Breathe it in. Say, I receive refreshing. I receive the presence of God. I receive his spirit in my life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God, you're good in this place. Oh, Holy Spirit, we come to give you praise. This isn't about us. It's about you. We came here to magnify you, glorify you. Oh, in Jesus' name. We're going to leave here excited. We're going to leave here with full of joy, full of peace, full of love, full of passion and direction. We're going to leave here in agreement today. And in Jesus' name, we speak it all in your name. Amen. Come on, give God some praise. Put your hands together.